Hey guys, this is Craig Hostetler, and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. This is episode number six. So thank you guys so much for joining me today, man. I really appreciate it. This is um, the second portion of our discussion with John Scott. And uh, man, I'm really excited about this. If you haven't heard the uh, first portion of this conversation, I'd encourage you to go and check that out because um, there's a lot of really great pieces of information <clears throat> in that first conversation. You know, John and I uh, became friends a few months ago and uh, man, he's a good dude, and and he's really a good friend. And I appreciate so much where he's at, and so many of thing, so many of the things that he has to say. And I think it's very informative, and um, it's expansive. Um, in, in in a lot of ways, it um, moves beyond uh, maybe some of the traditional ideas that are present in so many individuals faith today. Now what's interesting about this is that so many of the things that um, are new thoughts to you and I, certainly to me, um, are not necessarily new to our faith. In fact, um, some of the things in this conversation today have been a part of the Christian conversation for hundreds of years, maybe even thousands of years. And that is the thing that is so cool. One of the, you know, honestly, man, I am more in love, I think, with the Christian faith today than I ever have been because um, at one time it seemed so limiting. It seemed so rigid. It seemed that the conversation was so narrow and the questions, man, I mean, the questions, oh, they weren't even allowed. But what's interesting is if you go back through the history of, of our faith, these conversations, these ideas, these discussions have been going on since the very earliest versions of the Christian church. I'm talking all the way back into uh, the New Testament era, the Middle Ages, and everything in between that. These conversations, these ideas, um, these are not new ideas, right? Some people look at the some of the conservatives, I think, look at the, uh, which is kind of a weird term, but uh, I guess the old school people look at uh, some of these ideas that are being presented in conversations that are occurring and they think, man, what's happening to the faith? It's falling apart and these guys are liberals and <laughs> these guys are heretics and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is, man, so many of these uh, conversations that are occurring today and the themes of these conversations that are occurring today, uh, these are not new ideas. These are not new suggestions, ideas about the demeanor of God, the uh, the personality of God, heaven and hell, and uh, what it really means to be quote-unquote saved, um, the embodiment of Christ, uh, the Jesus hermeneutic, and, and all these kinds of things. Um, these are not new conversations. These are conversations that have been um, a very uh, important part of the Christian evolution really since its inception. And so as we have these conversations and as we have these discussions, just remember that these things aren't brand new to the faith. They've been a part of it the whole time. 
And um, yeah, there's so much to learn. And that's what I love about these podcasts is that uh, it opens us up to ideas that have been present for quite some time without us having to. And, and many of the conversations throughout uh, history have been suppressed, right? Because they challenge authority. They challenge um control, all those kinds of things that religion's really good at, some of these conversations, um, they break those chains, right? They break those shackles. They allow us to have free thought, free ideas, um, free conversation, uh, and they're not oppressive. They're liberating. And so some of those conversations have been suppressed, but uh, now they're available, and they're being presented by so many great teachers. And John is one of those guys who uh, is able to, um, I really think, give a clear explanation to his ideas and his thoughts. So um, we were, we're going to jump into that in just a matter of seconds. But before we do that, let me uh, revisit what I revisit uh, the, 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 the previous five podcasts before, and that's this. Um, man, I love podcasting. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. It's only the sixth episode, but I absolutely love doing it. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. I, I love being able to present these thoughts, these ideas. It's such a great format. Um, so much so, I'm going to be very open with you. Man, I really want this podcast to be you know, successful. I want it to be viable. I want it to, uh, to be a blessing. Now, one of the ways that we can do that, and I'm not getting ready, I'm not getting ready to ask you for money. I'm going to ask you for something super simple, man. Uh, jump online and follow us, right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Jump on there and follow us. Begin the conversation. Um, and then share this podcast on you know, your social media platform, on your Facebook page, on your Instagram, on your Twitter. Let people know that you're listening to it. Let them know what you think about it. Uh, let, it let them know the conversations that are present, whatever those kinds of things are. Man, that's a huge help. It helps us. You know, there's just thousands of podcasts out there, and everybody uh, is, um, well, there's just so many of them. Uh, if you would do something that simple once, twice a week, um, that would be a huge huge help to me and I'd really appreciate that. So again, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and then go to your Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and share the podcast, uh, share the Facebook page, share the Instagram account, whatever. Um, if you're listening on Google Play or iTunes, jump on there and, and give us a rating, maybe give us a review. All those things are a huge, huge help. So, uh, okay, man, without further uh, uh, ado, let us jump into the second installment of our uh, conversation with John Scott of the Holy Heretics. So Jesus is showing us that the, this tyrannical, angry, ogre, supervising, manager, um, dictator of a god that had been taught was being taught during his time um, was not the god that Jesus believed in. So when I say the Jesus hermeneutic, for instance, if I read a scripture and I don't see in it love your enemies, do good to those who wish you harm, pray for those who oppress you, bless those who curse you, Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. If I don't see, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. If I don't see that in there, I don't want to say I ignore it, but I ignore it. Or, <laughs> or, or, or dude, I'll look at it and I'll say, well, you know, look, this is great maybe for historical value to understand the culture of the time. 
but I'm not going to use it as a day-to-day doctrine. Yeah. So, yes, the Jesus hermeneutics. That's, that's yeah. Right. You, you know, what's interesting, man, is, um, you know, whenever you look at, uh, um, well, the, the issue with the, uh, the Good Samaritan, you know, when you look at that story and you realize that Jesus isn't just presenting, he, here's guy A, B, and C, and uh, which which guy do you think is did the right thing? But what he's really doing is he's saying, here's A and B, which you think is just phenomenal, the priest and the Levite, and here's C, the Samaritan, which you guys think is horrible and, you know, just trash. And, uh, you know, he's just he's using the Samaritan as a way to break racism and, and labels and all kinds of junk that's going on in the culture at that time. And the problem is I think a lot of times we read a passage and we think, okay, it says this. When the narrative behind the passage is, is the actual story. It's the actual point of the parable. And one of the things I learned, I don't know if you know who Robin uh, Perry is, but um, he, um, he's one of the authors or, or one of the uh, views presented in a book called, uh, I think it's called The Four Views of Hell. Are you familiar with that? I am, yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, his is the universalist view. But nonetheless, um, he talks about when you read Scripture, you have to read the meta narrative, which is, you know, you you don't just read a passage. Because you and I, John, most I'm sure that your experience was as mine. Everything is proof texting. It doesn't matter. Hmm. You, you can rip it out of context and, and uh, you know, probably nobody knows anyway, right? So you just... Bible says this, and that's you know. So this is that that means this, and when in reality there's this huge story going on. Um, you know, we didn't have chapters and verses and all this kind of stuff. It was it was a continual conversation, and the whole conversation had to be considered, not just one part of it. So whenever you look at those kinds of things and you say, hey, you know what, I'm I don't understand this passage, but I'm going to translate it through the personality the message, the words, the action of who Jesus is, and I'm, I'm going to have to make sense of it through that, regardless of what I'm reading just with my naked eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, exactly. I mean, look, here's, here's the thing. Um, one, of, one, of the, one of the things that I have learned from A.J. Levine, um, who is a fantastic um, uh, teacher, scholar, um, she's Jewish, um, and she teaches New Testament and Jewish studies at uh, Vanderbilt University in their divinity school. And one of the things I've learned from her is that, you know, like, for instance, a very flat, reading the Bible with flat text is considered to be sort of not, and this is not offensive to anyone who who does that, I'm using the word lightly, uh, considered to be the dumbest way to interpret it, to, to read it as a literal flat text. That it all there's always elements of meaning in it, just just because of the way it was written. And this is one of the reasons that I don't think a lot of a lot of Americanized evangelical Christian Christian ministers, including seminarians, I think many have done a disservice to the congregations because many have not studied to show themselves approved or working that need not be ashamed. Right? How you like that through that scripture? <laughs> Good job. Many have not shown themselves to to be um, educated enough to relate to the congregation. Oh, guys, by the way, the Bible is written 
predominantly by Jewish people to Jewish people about Jewish things. And, oh, Jesus was not a British blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude from the movies we see. Jesus was also Jewish. Hey, what a novel idea to think of Jesus as Jewish. And, and, and this is one of the reasons that I became nearly obsessed with finding out from Jewish rabbis, finding out from Jewish teachers, how do you read the text? And they call it a jewel, a, a multifaceted jewel, that when you read the text, you're always going to turn it and twist it and move it to see what else it shows you. But that way on down the line, like let's just say out of a scale of 10, way on down the line, like number eight, number nine, is literal interpretation. So that yeah. that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, those are all different types of interpretations where you can see more depth, more beauty, uh, and not be distracted by just the narrative that's sitting in front of you. But this is one of the reasons that I say we read it as we are, because most of us are not willing to go study it. Let's just be honest. Most of us are not. And the preachers I grew up with, they believed in preaching by the letter. You just yeah. open up and let her fly. You just open up and let her fly. You didn't pray. You know, if you had three points in a poem, they thought you weren't filled with the Spirit. You know, you just let the Holy Ghost lead you. That's where I came from. And you didn't go to seminary anyway because they were just going to get you deceived. We're going to tell you all the wrong stuff. And really it was because they, they had a, they were, many of them were, were um, insecure about their own education level. And, and, and rightly they should have been because I think there are many folks who are trying to recover in their adult life from a crazy religious system they were raised with that literally just just doesn't work in our world today it just doesn't so when you try to put it to work it creates all kinds of issues with relationship to your job to your partner with a relationship to your friends and your family to tv to science all of these things end up at odds with each other and then you end up in a real crisis of faith and then you have what we have right now where people are walking away from the church in droves and unfortunately, many of them are walking away from some very beautiful, sacred things simply because they go, well, if it, if that bathwater is that nasty, then that baby is contaminated, so they throw the bathwater and the baby out. And that is, that's on the shoulders of people who have not taken the time to study. No, man, it does, because you know what? It, it's getting to the point, well, first of all, as we evolve as a, as a society, and we have the internet, and you know, you, you can jump on. When the pastor says something absolutely stupid, you can jump online, and, and within, you know, thirty seconds, realize, okay, well, that was BS. You know, no, there's no no grounding to what he said at all. And secondly, man, it just getting it get it. Okay, as it as it is most often presented, or at least has been over the past hundred plus years. Um, it doesn't work in our society anymore. Now, I'm not saying the Bible doesn't work. I'm not saying God doesn't work. I'm saying the way that it has been presented up until now, it doesn't work anymore. People don't, they're not going to be afraid anymore. They're just not going to do that. Uh, they're going to ask why. You know, back in the day, if you said, uh, I, I, I don't understand, are you sure the Bible says that? Well, you were in trouble for that. You couldn't ask mm -hmm. a question like that. What would they do? They'd throw Job at you. Oh, Job, Job questioned God, and look what happened to him, you know? Here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember we went to, uh, my wife and I went to a, um, uh, on a vacation, and um, 
there was some Bible museum thing. I, don't, I couldn't tell you exactly what it was now. It was uh, down in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. But um, anyway, the lady was talking about when Jesus said, um, I'm going to prepare a place for you and uh, so that where I am, you can also be. And she was going through that whole thing. And she said, now, that was a common statement that was said during the betrothal process where the husband would, well, the betrothed future husband would come to the woman and say, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can also be. And so you, I heard that and I thought, oh, so there's like a whole thing going on there. Not just the words I read, but that would have all meant something to the audience. That was a cultural thing that would have made a lot more sense to them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so you're right. When you just flatline, okay, it says this, and so this is what it means. Um, I heard, uh, speaking of Pete Enns, I, I heard him say, um, not that it can't be understood, but the Bible is kind of a difficult piece of literature to understand. Take some work. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And we don't so like that. We don't put in the work. No, we don't. No, we don't. We, we, the thing is, <clears throat> I, and I sound anti-religious when I say this, but, but, you know, let, I'll just say it because it, it really is, I, I actually believe it. Religion is a creation of humans trying to figure out how to cope with something that you can't cope with. Um, or I'll say it this way. Religion is the creation of humans trying to cope with God and figure out ways to manage people, whole groups of people. Yeah. Um, and so you, you don't, you know, you really, you, you get to the place where you realize you don't have to work. You can just literally perpetuate the same BS that's been being preached for generations. It works for them. Right. Except Absolutely. for now it's not working. Now with the, the information superhighway. Now with people having information uh, at their fingertips, now with people having Black Sheep Experience podcasts and the Holy Heritage podcast, guess what? You're not going to be able to do that anymore. And that's why, frankly, a lot of these folks are, in, if nothing else, in a subconscious way, very ticked off at your Carlton Pearsons, very pissed off at your Rob Bells and your Peter Rollins and your your Craig Hostetlers and your John Scotts and your and your Dinah Butler Bass. And, and you know what I'm saying? There's Absolutely. a little bit of an undertone of ticked off because. You know, we kind of said, okay, uh, the con is up. You know, we've, we've moved the curtain back, and you can see behind the Wizard of Oz, and uh, behind the curtain is the Wizard of Oz, and, and, and you know, it's just not it's not real. I, this is one of the reasons I feel compelled, man, compelled to continue having this conversation because there are thousands of people who have thought they were in trouble when, in fact, they're just waking up. Yeah, you know something, man, too? It's funny because you bring up, um, like, Carlton Pearson, Rob Bell, uh, Diana Butler-Bass, you know, uh, so many people like this. Um, You know, they thought, I, I I think in the beginning they thought we can stomp this out, you know, but it hasn't worked that way. We uh, we were pastoring a church, uh, my wife and I, and we decided uh, when Love Wins came out, um, we need to buy this book to find out what kind of filth, you know, this horrible human being is, you know, trying to sell. So 
the local bookstore that we bought it from, they didn't carry it. So we ordered it. Um, dude, when I went to pick up the books, in the front cover, they had printed on a piece of paper a, a from the store, okay, a warning. We don't support this author. We won't sell it in our store. You have requested a special order of this, but we urge you not to read it. It's so big. No. Oh, whoa. Are you serious? I am serious. I've got it, dude. I'll, I'm going to post it on Instagram uh, after this uh, interview comes out. But, Make yeah, sure you man. tag Rob. Make sure you tag Rob. I will. I absolutely will. But, yeah, this whole thing, this whole big warning, man. And But doesn't it make you – I mean, it's like what are if, – if you're so sure about your faith, then what in the hell are you afraid of? Yes. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be some uncertainty there. You wouldn't be so worried. Well, this is the same thing that was going on with the Da Vinci Code. You remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Don't go watch the Da Vinci Code. It's, you know, you'll be deceived. It, it's going to – you know, it's going to make you question your faith and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, man. I remember that with the Da Vinci Code. I, I remember when I was a kid, I remember it was the last temptation of Christ. That's what people were fighting back then. Yeah. The last temptation of Christ. And I think now I look back over and, dude, I, I really do laugh with a bit of sadness, though, um, because of the fear. Oh, man. Jesus was coming again in 19, 1988. We were all getting ready for it. Um and then when Bill Clinton was elected president, all right, when he was elected president, um, then my dad and several other people started preaching that he was the last president of the, the – we, that, that America would no longer be a superpower after he was president. I mean, it, and that was – they were going around preaching that. They were preaching from, the, from Isaiah chapter 18 and were tying all of that in with a great massive nuclear war that would take America out as a superpower – um, and here we are still in 2018, and, and we're still a superpower. We survived the blowjob in the Oval. And, I mean, you know, it's like and, – and that hadn't even happened at that time. You know what I'm saying? But because yeah. of the way that so, – I mean, it, it, you know, it's like, come on, y'all. I mean, then there was Y2K. I don't know yeah, – I was pastor in my first church at the time. There were people who were – there were people who were stockpiling canned food and bottled water and were coming to me, and they were saying, Bishop, when – when that clock turns to midnight, I want you to know I brought my shotguns and I've got my pistols on me, and we're going to be ready to protect you when they come for you. And I remember thinking, man, when, when if, if like for me, I remember saying to them, guys, what are you afraid? It's a number. It's a number. Yeah. They, had, they had done what they do well. They sold, they sold um, certainty in fear. And people bought it, and people paid dearly for it. And the guy who wrote the book about the Y2K, he never apologized. He didn't refund any money. As a matter of fact, he's probably sipping a pina colada, which he said he didn't believe in doing, on the beach somewhere because there were like 18 million copies or something sold. Do the math on that. So you have to remember uh, how uh, the late great planet Earth, right? Oh, that's still going on. How many millions have been made off of that? A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. And yeah. it's fear. What about the Left Behind series? You know, and, yep. then, and then Tim LaHaye and, and the other guy, I can't remember the other guy's name who was the co-writer, you know, they're, they're in the, like the seventh or eighth book of this freaking series uh, that's fiction, by the way. It was sold as fiction in the store. 
It's fiction. Yeah. People are taking that good, solid theology. It's fiction. And these guys are like book number seven in suing each other because one got paid more than the other one. And people don't know about that kind of crap that's going on in the background. But I'm like, y'all, you don't understand the snake oil is expensive. Um, yeah. But then it comes back down to – it does come back down to uh, fear sales. War makes a lot of money. And so then we project this God who is angry and vengeful. And the reason we do is because we're angry and vengeful. If you're afraid, you're going to project a God like that because, again, you don't read the Bible as it is anyway. You read it as you are. You don't see your Christian faith as it is. You see it as you are. We are created in the likeness and the image of God, and we continue to try to create God in our own image. Um, and this is the reason we have so much war. But 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 the whistle has been blown, blown if that's the right word. We are blowing the whistle on this whole deal, um, and we're not going to shut up. We're going to yeah. keep talking about it. And it's not because we're mad anymore. For me, I'm not mad at Christian Christianity or evangelical Christianity. It just is what it is. I just completely disagree with its interpretation of Scripture and certainly the way it has presented Jesus to the world. Yeah, and, and that's part of the process. I mean, I agree, man. At first, I was, I was, uh, I was mad, you know. Oh God, me uh, too. Yeah, yeah. But now it's just like I'm not mad. I just, uh, but I definitely want to be a voice that says, "Hey, you know what? Uh, first of all, uh, I'm not afraid anymore. Uh, I'm not. God's not going to throw me in hell. Uh, certainly not because I have questions. It's just stupid. Um, and and secondly, you know, um, it's weird, dude, because if you just look at Jesus as a, let's say he's not anything other than a man, he's still a really awesome guy. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know where the, you really got to work the fear aspect into it to try to make that work on any level. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. Because that, and, that, and that's just, the go-to. The fear is the go-to. Yeah. 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 And I just can't live there anymore, man. You know, this whole idea that Jesus is all-powerful, all-knowing, and, and great, and greatly to be praised, and awesome, and we sing all these songs that make it sound like we want to take Jesus out for a one-night stand, and, and it's all just this really amazing thing, and then yet we're so afraid. I don't, I don't know. That, 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 that's one of the things that made me jump ship, is that mm -hmm. something's not right about that. Yeah, um, we've talked about it before that, um, you know, in any other context, it's an abusive relationship. I mean, if it's not the God equation, if it's any other, if it's a parent relationship, if it's a, a lover relationship, a boss, uh, employee relationship, any other relationship, this is an abusive situation. And yeah. so to sing songs, and I don't know if you did them, but, but you know, when I was a, a kid, we did the hymnals which are full of amazing grace and, and uh, which, quite frankly, the way they taught it wasn't all that amazing. And then as I became a pastor, we did, uh, we were cutting edge, so we did, uh, you know, uh, all the praise and worship stuff. But still we had songs like Beautiful One, which was Beautiful One I Love, Beautiful One I Adore. Uh, all the, and, and, man, dude, you'd sing those songs and then you would uh, hit the pulpit with some kind of hellfire message and it just, like what? How this doesn't work? This equation doesn't work at all. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
And I, I think I, that's where people are at, quite frankly. No, it is. And and the thing about that is, too, you know, one of the things that I still love about a church, I, I still love a good church service, though. You know, like I, I really do. There's something nostalgic about it for me. Um, yep. But but I, I, the message has, has had to change. Um, and so, you know, I'll still go and do church services, man, uh, do worship services with the best of them and and just you know enjoy that environment but i i have to you know for me it's just like right now you know i'm I'm at unity of chattanooga in in uh, chattanooga tennessee as their lead minister and one of the reasons i'm there is because i do love still love that feeling of a church environment but when i'm there i can literally the things you're you and i are talking about right now on this podcast i can talk about from the platform there without Mm -hmm. fear of rejection or fear of getting cast out so i can do that bro i can do that all day long um and and also i'm getting a chance to to speak a message that i feel like is current forward as well because there's a lot of the deconstruction stuff i've gotten a little exhausted with yeah um where where i just want to i want to start doing some reconstruction instead of deconstruction so that's kind of where i'm at now dude um, that's why I feel like I've, I've healed from the pain of what, what was. And so I'm ready and, and healthy enough to move forward with what I think is ahead of us. And, and I'm very optimistic about that. Yeah, there's a, and, and I agree, man, that you, you got to, uh, you can't spend your entire life breaking it all down. At some point you have to say, okay, I'm going to let go of, uh, and, and I think it needs to happen early on. You know, I'm going to let go of all the baggage and uh, I, I'm going to start to process from some fresh new ideas and, and try to see this through my own eyes. Um, yeah. So so let me ask you, man, I, and, and uh, I've got a couple more uh, questions for you before I let you go. But if you were to recommend, say, three books, maybe a – Maybe a deconstruction book, maybe a, something that helps reconstruct, or even a piece of literature that's just really impacted you on this on this path. Um, what might some of those be? Well, you know, I've got to go to one of the first, very first books that I feel like helped me get on this path was uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson's book. Um, the gospel of inclusion and what the gospel of inclusion did for me because anybody who was raised with a very exclusive group will know what i'm talking about when i say um i needed some inclusion desperately um so so i would say that's a great book for me personally uh especially for those who are looking at the issue of the afterlife um issues of hell because ironically it seems that <laughs> It seems to me that uh, that's the first place people normally go with religion. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll say things like, so are you saying you can do anything you want to do and still go to heaven? Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know. Such a weird question, stuff. dude. Such a Isn't weird such question. Isn't weird question? Oh, and yes. it's so weird that I respond this way uh, much uh, because of the, the, the influence of Bishop Pearson with this, I'll respond with, well, what is it you want to do so bad? <laughs> Dude, so, 
it's like if your wife said, no matter what you do, I'm not going to leave you, and your first response is, oh, so I can cheat on you and beat the hell out of you and you're going to stay? <laughs> That's like, wow, that's not the response I expected. <laughs> yeah. Such and a weird people are question. Like, you know, so you can do anything you want to do and still go to heaven. And my response is, well, what is it you want to do so bad that makes you so pissed off at the moment? Or what are you so mad that someone else is getting to do that you're not getting to do? Yeah. Um, and that typically – ends the conversation most of the time uh but so i would say that the the um gospel of inclusion so the bishop pearson but i also one of the books that i think really challenged me deeply about how i approach god not just jesus not just salvation and afterlife was peter rollins book the idolatry of god mm. Uh, the Idolatry of God is such a fantastic book. I, I would recommend that to anyone to read. Uh, basically, the, the subtitle is Breaking Our Addiction to Certainty and Satisfaction. Uh, yeah. That's the Idolatry of God. So I would suggest that one. So so the Gospel of Inclusion, the Idolatry of God, and then i got to go with my man Rob Bell's book, What is the Bible? I think I think that is such a great piece of literature for today. Because it, it does not tell you what the Bible is saying. See, most books about the Bible kind of tell you either the history of how it was translated, the history of how it was reversified, how it was compiled, or it'll tell you what certain scripture verses mean. It'll try to break it down and give you the hermeneutics and the homiletic and, and all of the stuff, right? That's not what Rob's doing with the book, What is the Bible? What Rob's doing with that book is he's jumping into it to look at the mechanics, really, of what the Bible is rather than what we've been told it was. You know, it's a grouping of poems and writings and stories and drama and sex and pain and hurt and disillusionment and anger and war and battle and family problems and real-life issues that we all struggle with now. So he talks about it from that way. So I would say if you're going to deconstruct and you're looking into the ideas of heaven and hell, the afterlife, the gospel of inclusion, if you're rethinking how you see God and certainty, I would look at the idolatry of God by Peter Rollins. And then I think it's very important to look into what the Bible is and isn't. And so Rob Bell's book, What is the Bible, I think is great. Yeah, those are those are awesome suggestions, man. Really, those are great books. Um, okay, dude. Well, before I let you go, man, uh, tell me. Uh, I know you you moved, you got married, you moved from Nashville. Uh, tell me what you're up to. Well, you know, I'm in season two of the Holy Heretics podcast, and that is a, a big, big part of my work right now. I'm also in the process of uh, revising and writing a book that is the that is sort of a modernized approach to a book written by Charles Fillmore who was the co-founder of the Unity Movement in the Unity Church and he wrote a book years ago uh and it was a metaphysical uh, interpretation of the 12 disciples the 12 apostles and disciples and he took each one of those individuals and he looked at their personality traits and he came out of it with a book he called The Twelve Powers of Man. Um, and 
I, I love I love Charles Fillmore's approach. I love the metaphysical approach. Meta means beyond, and mm. physical obviously beyond the physical. Um, so it's a it's a you know it's definitely looking at the Bible more metaphorically and more spiritually than looking at it as a flat text. But um, the twelve powers of man, I was not that interested in until I got until I became the lead minister of Unity of Chattanooga because Charles Fillmore was always a, a hard read for me. Um, you know, some writers are just like you sit down and you read, and it's it's like drinking a milkshake. And with others, it's like it's like taking medication because it's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, Charles Fillmore was more of that kind of a writer for me, and I think a lot of it's because of the time he wrote in, which was the end of last or was was the you know like right at the beginning of the 1900s was when he was writing most of his material, and so it was written in a more religious jargon. So I was having a hard time hearing it. Um, so I've taken the 12 powers and I'm um, revising them, bringing them into more modern language. And, I'm, um, you know, instead of the 12 powers of man, it's going to be more along the, the lines of the 12, 12 powers of the human, um, kind of trying to bring it into more modern terms. So that's, that is kind of a labor of love for me right now, um, cool. getting that book written. And I'm starting, I've finally started getting the outline going for a book I'm writing as well um, that I won't release the title on at this time. Uh, so <laughs> writing a book, and, and then I'm, 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 I'm leading the church there at Chattanooga, loving the podcast. I'm back at work with the state of Georgia at a mental hospital here in middle Georgia um, as a spiritual therapist. And so I'm getting a chance to work predominantly with those who are criminally insane. Or that's their diagnosis. Right. Uh, so that's a very interesting work. Um, and, and so that's all wonderful. And of course, loving my wife and my kids and, and, and that goes without saying, I think. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. And I'm also, uh, you know, I have started the work, um, toward, uh, getting a group's, a group revised and revitalized that D.E. Polk and I started back in, 2009 it was called the communion of christ consciousness and it was a group um of a spiritual order of sorts for ministers who um felt disenchanted with their denominations some of them were losing their licensing and credentials so we are revitalizing that uh so that i can lead that fellowship and that network um so that ministers all over the planet who feel a call outside of uh the traditional church will have a place where they can have credentialing and ordination and have um, opportunity to have resources for building their faith. They're very cool, man. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, you're a busy guy, man. Yeah. I'm about the Father's <laughs> business. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel the power. Hey, um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> also, uh, online, dude, what, uh, you're available everywhere, right? Yeah, it's all over the place, and one of the best ways to connect with me is through the Holy Heretics podcast, and on Twitter, that's at Holy Heretics. On Instagram, it's at The Holy Heretics. And then we have an Instagram, I mean, we have a, an email account as well, theholyheretics at gmail.com. Um, and then I, then I'm out there, you know, John Scott is out there. I have a website called John Scott Online, and... Uh, it looks like John's cotton line is what it looks like when you read it. Um, but it's johnscottonline.com. 
and that has a lot of my music and stuff because I'm a singer and songwriter. A lot of people who know me from podcast world don't know that, but I'm a singer and songwriter as well. So there's music on that website. Yeah, very good. I've heard your I've heard your stuff, man. You're awesome. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I play guitar too, man. But it's that's, no way. Uh, that's a loose translation of the word play. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my wife okay. plays my wife plays violin in the symphony, and uh, yeah, so. She's the real musician in the house, and and uh, she's playing all the symphony stuff, and and uh, I'm trying to figure out how to make a you know a G seventh chord, so <laughs> it's quite a dynamic. Awesome, let's get together. <laughs> we'll do a Skype, and I'll show you a G seven. There you go, man. That's a good idea. We should do that. <laughs> hey, man, yeah. uh, dude, I I gotta just say, man. First of all, I um, man, I really appreciate your friendship and. Uh, I really appreciate all the all the ways that you've reached out and, and uh, helped me out and supported uh, you know what I'm trying to do with the podcast and what I'm trying to do um, as I grow in in this thing and I just want people to know, man, you are a, a very genuine and uh, and good-hearted person and I I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate the work you're doing and and I do believe in you. Um, I believe in what you're doing, and I and I think I've told you that privately, but I'll say it publicly as well. Yeah, thanks, dude, and I, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, also, man, thanks for coming on uh, on my podcast, and thanks for having me on yours, dude. This is a this is a blast. I I love doing this. It's it's just so much fun. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is, man. But you should we should have some fun in life. You know what I mean? I agree. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you being on, and um, I love you, buddy. Same to you, brother. Peace and grace to you and all your audience. Thanks, dude. God bless you, brother. See you, man. Bless you. All right, guys, man, thank you so much for uh, listening today. What a great conversation with John. Man, that dude, he's a good guy, and uh, I know I've said that before. You know what? If you haven't heard the Holy Heretics podcast, you uh, you should go check that out, man. There's a ton of great interviews, and... Um, Really just some excellent, uh, Carlton Pearson is on there, uh, they've had Rob Bell, Jen Hatmaker, uh, I mean, it, the list goes on, I can't even, they, they've had everybody, Jay Baker, um, I mean, it just there's so many great interviews on there, and some of them are really um, expansive, and uh, oh, it's just great. So uh, go check out the Holy Heretics podcast. John, thank you so much, man, for, uh, for being on the Black Sheep Experience, guys. God bless you, man. Jump online, follow us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, we will see you next week. Done. Done.